What's up, everybody? How you doing? It is so good to see you. Hey, did your Super Bowl team win last week? Good for you. So awesome. Kenzie and I didn't even watch. We were at her parents' house, and they were watching the kids, and so we snuck away into their room that has a pool table, and she and I, she and I played pool all night. So it was awesome. We had a great time. Um, the commercials, come on, somebody. Were they good? I thought they were okay. Not my favorite, but they, they, were, they were good. They were good. Um, uh, how are you doing this morning? We're in the final part of a hot topic series. If it's gotten too hot for you, don't worry. It cools off next week, okay? So we're in the final part of a hot topic series. Before I jump into today's hot topic, I want to address the question of the day, which is everyone asking, what's happening in Asbury? Okay, if you've seen on social media, everyone's going, what's happening at Asbury College? And um, hopefully you've seen this. If not, I'm showing it to you for the first time. Apparently... There was, a, there was a worship chapel service at Asbury College, which is a Bible school seminary. And they started at chapel and they never stopped. So now we're like a week plus into it. And people have been flocking from all over the place. Famous worship artists and all kinds of people have been coming in and worshiping and, and, and then leaving. And, and, you know, all these people are posting about it and there's revival happening and all this stuff. And there's people who ask what is going on and what's your view of this? And I just want to tell you today that when I look at this, what I see is youth camp. That is what I see. And what is youth camp? Youth camp is, by the way, it's coming up again this year and you can start signing up now. And um, what is youth camp? Youth camp is we take a bunch of young people to Garden City, South Carolina. We remove all distractions and we just worship. We preach the word. We you know, and if we let those kids, they would, wor- they would still be there worshiping right now if we didn't make them get on a bus and bring them home. Um, because if you've ever been to a youth camp, that is 100% what happens. As we go to camp and people start worshiping, and even when they're back at their bunk at night, they're like praying over each other and they're confessing sins to each other. And it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. When I look at this, I see that same kind of a thing. Now, there's some people who are like, God's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. And I have to say, there is no new scripture being written at Asbury. There's no new, new theology being invented at Asbury. There's no new, you know, even the worship songs they're singing are Bethel songs from 10 years ago. You know, they're, they're singing these old songs. So what is happening? I would say it's not a new thing that's happening. It's people returning to the right things. So it's, it's, not, it's not like God's doing some miraculous, new, crazy outpouring and, oh my gosh, he's doing miracles and that's new. No, that's actually not new. At youth camp this year, there was someone who fell and broke their hand, literally x-ray broken. We prayed over them and their hand was completely healed, x-ray healed, like literally before and after. Miracles happen. God's been doing them. He does them here on Sunday mornings when we pray with people. There's nothing new happening. Here's what's happening. A group of people has decided that they're going to set aside their Netflix time, and instead they're going to seek God. They're going to set aside their, you know, whatever, and instead they're going to run after God, and something really cool and awesome is happening there. There's a lot of people in Christianity that when something like this happens, they all want to get up and run to Asbury. You know, everyone wants to get up and run, and I just, you don't need to go to Asbury. You can come to church today and lift your hands today 
and have the same God who is doing stuff there can do the same thing in your life today here, right? Now, there's, a, there's also a group of people who says, well, I don't see anybody with a Bible. That's all just an emotional thing, and it's all just a, they're at a Bible college. And so this is just a worship service at a Bible college. So when people are like, well, it's not a Bible movement. It's, a, it's an emotional movement. No, that's not true. And by the way, the Holy Spirit comes with emotion sometimes. You know, there's a lot of people who, who chase emotion, and that's wrong. But when you are truly having an encounter with God, that can result in emotion sometimes. And so uh, to the naysayers who are saying this is all just bogus, I disagree. To the people who think we all need to pick up and move to Asbury right now, I totally disagree. God's doing something cool, and he does something cool here, and he's going to do something cool at youth camp, and he's going to do... It's our heart posture. It's not a place. I love this, what Jesus says, by the way, to... Um, to the woman at the well, she says, where, where are we supposed to worship? Some say we have to worship on this hill. Some people say we have to worship here. Some people. And Jesus says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, it is not about the place. It's not about Asbury. It's not about this. It's not The, the only thing that's annoying me about this whole situation is that it seems like the name of Asbury is getting famous, and I just want the name of Jesus to be the thing that gets famous. That's the only thing that's annoying me in this whole thing. And that comes from a tendency to go, God's doing something over here. He's doing something over here, but he's not doing it here. No, the same Holy Spirit that is there can do the same thing today if you would have the same heart posture that you would if you, are you hearing me? Okay, cool. So that's, that's Asbury and that's my position on it. Am I gonna book a flight and go to Asbury? No, because you can't get flights to Asbury. Um, am I gonna go to Asbury? No. I'm going to show up to church on Sunday morning. I'm going to lift my hands here and worship God here. In my home, I'm going to worship God. And, and so, anyways, that's, that's that. That's not our hot topic for the day. <sighs> Guys, our hot topic for today is I am so angry at you. I, could not, I can't even tell you how angry I am at you. Because the number one question by far that you asked for for hot topics this year was the topic of abortion. <sighs> now, I hate being controversial. Like, I am the least controversial person. I hate controversy. I hate, the only people I will argue with are my friends who I know are still going to love me five minutes later. I do not like I don't like controversy. In fact, I have a lot of Michael Scott in me. If you know who Michael Scott is, he's from The Office. And this clip right here is how I feel about preaching today. Here you go. Do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. I have to be liked. But it's not like this compulsive need to be liked, like my need to be praised. That is how I feel about this topic this morning. <laughs> um, but you asked for it, and I told you that whatever you asked for, I would talk about. And so it would, I would be lying if I got this question and I didn't address it on a Sunday morning. If this topic is too hot or too spicy for you or too whatever, we have church again next week and we're talking about the book of John, okay? And it's going to be good. 
But, um, but today we're talking about abortion because you asked to talk about abortion. Now, let me just make a couple disclaimers. Number one, I am talking as a pastor. I am not a doctor. I'm also not a politician. Praise Jesus. And politicians have to kind of court different people groups and make, you know, well, I, they have to be seen as a moderate. They have to be seen as a, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle because I'm, I'm, I represent a bunch of different people and they have to get your vote. I am not looking to get your vote today. I'm not looking to get your vote. I'm also not looking to get your tithe or your offering today. We already took up the offering, okay? So it's not like I'm preaching stuff that's like, hopefully they give today because I preach this thing. I really, as a Christian, I fundamentally believe that the word of God is true. And because of that, all I'm doing today is using the Bible to just say what is true. Okay? So if you don't like this, your problem's not with me. <laughs> your problem with this is with the screen behind me, what's on the screen. So I am just a messenger, all right? You can like the messenger today. <laughs> you can praise the messenger today. <laughs> um, so that's the disclaimer. Second disclaimer, I do not want to beat up on any people today, okay? I'm not beating up on anybody. People who've had abortions, people who are pro-abortion, people who are anti abortion I'm not beating up on anybody today. I'm just trying to lay down what I believe is truth, and we're going to go from there. Does that sound good? We're going to talk about a couple things. One, we're going to talk about what is abortion. Two, we're going to talk about the philosophical argument around abortion. Three, we're going to talk about the Bible, the theological argument about abortion. Four, we're going to look at culture. And five, we're going to talk about the pastoral discussion about abortion. Okay, does that sound good? We're going to start with number one, what is abortion? Let's define our terms here for just a moment. Abortion, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is this. The deliberate termination of a human pregnancy most often performed during the first 28 weeks of pregnancy. Just to be super clear, it is the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy. A miscarriage is not an abortion, okay? A, a DNC where the baby, had, the heartbeat has stopped on its own and the doctor has to go in to remove a, a dead child, that is not an abortion. That's a DNC procedure that has to happen for the mom's health. A, an abortion is the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy most often performed in the first 28 weeks of pregnancy. There's two ways this happens, two methods. One is medical, two is surgical. The medical way is they give medicines to the mom and that ends the heartbeat and then she, she will, uh, the, it's an abortion. It, it ends the human pregnancy. The second one is surgical and these have two different methods. One is called a vacuum procedure and one is a um, dilation procedure where the vacuum procedure, they put in a vacuum and they pull out the baby the dilation procedure, it's called dilation with evacuation. They go in and they pull out pieces remaining of the baby. That procedure has to happen later on because the baby's more fully formed. All these other procedures happen earlier on. 50% of today's abortions happen medically. In other words, they give medicine to stop a heartbeat and, and abort the child. And the other 50% happen surgically. Okay, so that is abortion. In our country, um, Anywhere from 600,000 to a million abortions occur in the average year. 600,000 to a million abortions occur in the average year. Again, these are just deliberate terminations of a human pregnancy. Okay, so that's, that's what we're talking about today when we talk about abortion, okay? Everyone good so far? Everyone's still breathing? 
Okay, all right, now let's move on to the next thing. Let's talk about philosophically. What do I mean by philosophically? Um, I'm going to talk about abortion purely using reason for just a moment. We're not going to open scripture. We're going to start just with reason, and then we're going to go to scripture. Uh, Kennedy, the Justice Kennedy, said this in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. He said, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Justice Kennedy, in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, he helped decide the case in favor of abortion. And what he said was, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of universe, and of the mystery of the universe. What is he saying here? The argument that he's put, putting forward in, in support of abortion, the argument he's putting forward is, you and I each get to decide for ourselves what life is and what life isn't, okay? That's his argument. Now, I'm going to talk about something totally non-controversial, but actually it's very controversial. Do you guys all remember when this was flying over our country? <laughs> um, when this was flying over our country, what is it? Oh my gosh, what is it? Um, is it a marshmallow? Is it, a, is it Baymax flying over our country? Is it the up house flying over our country? Uh, is it somebody trying to contact us about our car's extended warranty? Um, what is it? Now, according to Justice Kennedy's logic, it can be whatever you want it to be. At the heart of liberty, it can be a marshmallow to you. It can be Baymax to me. It can have meaning to me. It can have no meaning to you. It can be a party balloon that dr drifted. Here's the problem with that. It is something. And whatever that thing is, it is it for all of us. It's not it for just some of us and not others. The balloon is something. Is it a spy balloon? Is it a weather balloon? I don't know. I don't get to decide what it is. It is something. Are you tracking with me? Okay, so his argument doesn't really hold up because... The, the question here is, what is life? And if life is a thing, it's that thing for everybody. Now, there are some today who would say, Kyle, you shouldn't be talking about this topic because you're a man. This issue doesn't affect you. And therefore, you don't have a right to talk about this topic. And what I would say in return is, if it's a human life, it doesn't matter if I'm a man or a woman, it is a human life. If it's not a human life, it doesn't matter if I'm a man or a woman, it's not a human life. The thing that can, it can possibly, like, it, in no way can it be true is that it's a human life for you, but it's not a human life for me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, my gender has nothing to do with whether this fetus is a human life or not, and your gender has nothing to do with whether it's a human life or not. So Justice Kennedy, bizarre words from him, that at the heart of liberty, all of us get to come up with what life is and what life isn't, right? So when we hear the, the motto in our culture, my body, my choice, I think the inference is this. It's my choice, not just what I do with my body, but it's my choice to decide whether this is a life to me, whether it's, you know, are you tracking with what I'm saying? Okay, now here's another statement about abortion. 
we don't know that a fetus is a human, therefore we shouldn't restrict abortion, okay? We don't know that a fetus is a human, therefore we shouldn't restrict abortion. Peter Kraft calls this an argument, a therefore argument, meaning there's two premises at the beginning, which is we don't know. The second one is a fetus is a human. So the first premise is whether we know it or not, like certainty, and the second premise is if it's a human or not. But both of those have to be true in order for the second part to hold up. Therefore, we shouldn't restrict abortion. So this is the argument that has decided abortion in our country. We don't know if a fetus is a human, and therefore, we shouldn't restrict it. We should allow women, we should allow doctors, we should allow anybody to decide if it's a, if it's a human or not. Now, I'm going to get really nerdy for a second. And if you don't like that, I'm sorry. I'm, I am a nerd. Okay, so um, <laughs> here's a chart, okay? With four possibilities. On the left, we have a fetus is a human or a fetus is not a human. At the top, we know that it's a human or we don't know, okay? Our certainty. And this leaves us with four possibilities. Possibility number one, a fetus is a human and we know it. Let's talk about, no, that's good. Go back to that slide. That's good. Go to the, go to the, there we go. Possibility number one, a fetus is a human and we know it. If this is true, then in this case, abortion would be first-degree murder. In other words, we know that's a human, and we ended its life. That is premeditated, first-degree, intentional ending the life of an innocent human being, okay? That's if this is true. Here's the second one. A fetus is a, 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 fetus is a human, but we don't know it. In other words, objectively, it is a human, but we're not really sure. We don't know that. We're not aware of that. We're still trying to figure out if it is or isn't. It is a human, but we just don't know that. If this is true, if I'm driving down the road and there's a figure that walks across the street and it's it's got a bag over its head, it's got, I don't know, is it a human or is it an animal? What is it? I don't know. If I hit that thing with my car and then I get out and I find out that it was a human being, I am guilty of manslaughter at that point. What is manslaughter? Manslaughter is... I didn't mean to take an innocent human life, but I didn't know that it was a human life, and so I just kept driving, okay? So it is a human, but we don't know it. That would be manslaughter. Is everyone tracking with me so far? Possibility number three, a fetus is not a human, and we don't know it, okay? A fetus is not a human, but we're we're unsure. We don't know if that's true or not, but a fetus is not a human, and we don't know it. If this is true, if I'm out hunting with my buddy Ben, and we're, which I will never do, okay? Um, n- not because I don't like Ben, but because I don't like hunting, okay? So if I'm out hunting with my buddy Ben, and he and I are separated, and in the woods, something starts rustling in, in, the, in the bushes, and I pull up my gun. I don't know if it's Ben or if it's a deer. I don't know and I pull the trigger, and I get lucky. It's not Ben. It was just a deer. Ben will never go hunting with me ever again. (laughs) Why? That is gross negligence. In other words, if we're unsure, why in the world would we pull the trigger? You know what I mean? Like, if we're unsure, it would be negligent to just say, well, ah, It could be a deer. It could be Ben. Bang. That would be very inappropriate. 
Gross negligence. Now, I'd be so relieved if I got lucky and it wasn't my buddy Ben, but Ben will never be my friend ever again. He will never allow me to hold a gun ever again. Why? Because it's, it's, it's negligent. And here's the last possibility. The last possibility is a fetus is not a human and we know it. A fetus is not a human and we know it. In this case, abortion is totally fine, totally acceptable. There is nothing wrong with it. It's just a medical procedure. And if you don't want to have that baby, you know, it's, it's not a baby yet. It's, it's something else. It's not a human. End it, okay? Here's the problem with this last possibility is in today's world, we don't know it. We don't know it. Everybody is arguing about whether a, a fetus is a human or not. And everyone's arguing about like, well, when does life begin? Well, I think it's the point of viability. Well, I think it's the point of conception. Well, I think it's the point of, of, so in other words, we don't know. If anything, science tells us that when the egg and the, and the sperm come together, we have a unique set of code, a unique DNA code that has never existed in, in human history ever before, right? That unique thing. That fetus has a blood supply that has never, like, that is unique to that baby. Even in the mother's womb, it has its own blood supply. It's got its own DNA. It's got its own fingerprints. It's got its own, are you hearing what I'm saying here? So if we don't know for sure, that's not an argument to say, just let everyone decide for themselves. That's an argument to say, man, how twisted of a society that we don't know if that's a, you know, a human or not, and we're just like, pull the trigger? How twisted of a society. We either are first-degree murderers, manslaughterers, negligent, or the last one, which is we're certain that it's not a life. But I can't find anybody who certainly believes that it's not a life. Even the people who try to say it's just a clump of cells, even the photos they use are misleading. Even the images they use, even the, and they're unscientific, ironically. And so, oh, well, we don't really know. Uh, no, we know it's not a human life. Um, well, what is it then? You know, is it an apple in there until all of a sudden, you know, it breeds and now it's a baby? What is it then? The best way to view this is not that, um, the best way to view this is not that you came from an embryo, but that you were once an embryo. In other words, the tiniest version of you is this, this little fetus, and then it grows to be a human. So, so when exactly does life begin? There are some people who say life doesn't begin until the point of viability. You don't believe that, though. You don't actually believe that, because if you get hit by a car today and you are brain dead and you have to go on life support, Everyone in your family is going to say, put them on life support. You're not going to say, oh, well, they're not viable anymore. So are you hearing what I'm saying? You're not just going to be like, ah, oh, well, <laughs> they got in an accident. When, when family members, you know, when, when we went through COVID and family members had to be put on ventilators, you didn't say, well, they're not viable on their own. So of course not. That's a human life. What do we do with human life? We protect it. We defend it. We care for it. The point of viability does not help us determine whether it's a human or not. It only helps us determine what level of support that human's going to need to survive or not. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Medical innovation and technology is only making the point of viability less and less and less and less and less. Every single day, younger and younger and younger and younger. Why? Because, you know, there's people who have, who go into labor really early and, and they're in the NICU and they're supported and they grow up to be healthy, thriving. So the point of viability doesn't help us determine whether it's a human or not. 
It only helps us determine if that human needs support or not. Everyone, everyone with me so far? Okay. Now, here's, here's where I'm going to get just, sorry if I start getting a little passionate here, okay? Um, here, here's where we go into a little bit of an argument about, well, we're not sure, so therefore everyone should decide for themselves. Well, we're not sure, therefore everyone should decide for themselves. There's an argument about whether it's life or not. And because there's an argument, it's not really for me to determine or for you. I have one view and you have one view and it doesn't really matter. Well, does this hold up throughout human history? If you were living in Germany in the 1940s, is this a human in Germany in the 1940s? Is it? Yes. Did the Germans have arguments about whether this was a full human in the 1940s? If you were in our country, in the inception of our country, there was argument about whether this was a human or not. And we used the argument to justify well, if you don't want to have a slave, just don't have one, but I need one for my livelihood. Are you hearing me? Arguments about whether this is a human or not are outrageous. They're ungodly. They're disgusting. I'm, I, so because I'm a nerd, my wife, my birthday was Monday. My wife took me to the Revolutionary War Museum. Yeah, I'm absolutely, absolutely nerd. <laughs> And while I was there, we watched like an old man fire off a musket. It was pretty awesome. But, um, but while we were there, all the plaques are arguing about during the revolution, not during the Civil War, but during the Revolutionary War, they're arguing about slavery. Is it okay? Is it not okay? There are Christians who are saying, well, I think it's okay because maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And there are Christians coming out saying, are you, have you lost your mind? This is a human being created in the image of God. How dare you talk about this person like they're anything less than human? Okay. Now, if you, today, we all love to be super, like, um, we love to virtue signal. I'm so smart. Look at me. I'm for this thing, and I'm for this movement, and I'm for that movement. All those movements are so easy to be for because they're popular. Okay. If you were alive in, in, in the slavery years of our country, it wasn't popular to be anti-slavery, but it was right to be anti-slavery. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't popular, but it was right. Well, Kyle, you just don't understand. The people who find themselves in that position, they have this plantation and all their livelihood's going to be gone if they don't have slaves anymore. They don't know how they're going to physically be able to make it. They don't know how they're going to be able to pay their bills. Doesn't matter. You don't get to enslave human beings. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, so, the question of whether this is a human or not is so important because what do we do if it is a human versus what do we do if it's not a human? If you grew up in Germany believing that, that Jews were not human, it was perfectly fine to round them up and put them in camps. If you grew up in America thinking that, you know, slavery is, uh, you know, black people aren't human, it was perfectly fine to enslave them. You're wrong. You were, you were wrong then too, you know? You're wrong, you're wrong today if you don't believe that. You were wrong 100 years ago if you didn't believe that. Doesn't matter what the culture says. So today's battleground is this question: is this a human being? Is that a human being? 
Because if it is, it has the same human rights of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness given by our creator. Do you hear what I'm saying? Is this a human being? And if it is a human being, then it deserves the protection. It deserves the rights. It deserves, are you tracking with me? A Jew is a, is a human no matter where they are, what soil they're in, you know? A, 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 a black person is a human no matter where they live. And a baby, I believe, is a human no matter whose womb it's in. It's a human. You don't get to just decide you're in my jurisdiction, so I decide you're not a human being. It either is a human for all of us or it's not a human for any of us. The thing it can't be is a human for some of us. Okay, are you hearing me? Okay, so I was just in a meeting this week and we were talking about like the church is growing. We're gonna have to add a third service soon. And I was like, no, I'll just do an abortion hot topic and we'll... (laughs) So next week we're going down to one service. All right, this is a, this, we have only used our brains so far. It's good. Now we're going to use the Bible. Okay, we're going to go into the Bible. Four things from the Bible. Okay, number one, here's, here's a thing. All human life has intrinsic value because all humans are made in the image of God. All right, Genesis says this, says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Every human life is made in the image of God. Every human life is made in the image of God. There is no tier system of human and subhuman. There's only humans and not humans, okay? But there's not a a tier system of these people are more human and these people are subhuman and these people are less human. And well, if they have a birth defect, then you should just get rid of them because they're not fully human. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Every single human life is created in the image of God and it bears his image and therefore has intrinsic value. Here's, here's number two, theologically. All human life has purpose even before birth. Let's read a couple of verses, okay? Psalm 139, 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born every day of my life was recorded in your book every moment, was laid out before a single day had passed. Before a single day had passed, God had a purpose and a plan for that life. Before a single second had, before the foundations of the earth, he had a purpose and a plan for that life. Okay, here's another verse. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Before you were born, I knew you, I consecrated you. Here's another one. This is Paul talking. Paul says this in Galatians. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. In other words, the scripture affirms over and over, and even when speaking about Jesus, before he's born, that he has a full person. He's a full person with with purpose and plan and destiny while he's still in the womb. So the Bible's not unclear about when the purposes of God and the plan of God and the life of God, the Bible's not unclear about it, okay? Let's, let's read number three. Number three is this. God forbids the taking of innocent human life. We're gonna read four verses. We're gonna do them rapid fire, okay? Genesis four. 
God said to Cain, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Exodus says this, you shall not murder. Exodus also says this, do not kill the innocent and righteous for I will not justify the wicked. And here's the last one here. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. God is not unclear. He is, he is outraged anytime an innocent human being's life is taken. Whether that happens on the streets in a city, whether that happens at the hands of racism, whether that happens in a clinic at the doctor's office, anytime an innocent human being's life is taken, man, it, 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 it pains God. Okay, here's the last one that I'm going to say today. This one's kind of wild, but the primary purpose of sex is children. In our culture, I think we, we talk about babies like they're like these sexually transmitted babies. <laughs> well, we had sex and then I had a sexually transmitted baby and I didn't know what to do with it. That's what happens when you... Okay. The primary purpose of sex is children. Listen, I'm not a Puritan. I do not believe that that means that you're not allowed to have fun, <laughs> that you can't enjoy it, that it's not for, for the husband and wife to grow in intimacy and connection. All of those things are true. They're 100% true. But the primary purpose is, listen to this verse right here, Genesis. God makes man and woman, and then he blesses them, and he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. God is a God of life. And he wants to see the world thriving with life. And so he gives us this beautiful gift called sex that produces life. It's so cool. Like, I love God's brain that, like, he's like, I'm going to make a man and a woman. And, and when they come together in marriage and when they give themselves to each other and out of that love and intimacy, a new life is going to get created. Now, we talk in our culture like, like babies are the last thing connected to sex. Like it's the last thing, right? The only time we ever think about where do babies come from is when a kid asks us, where do babies come from? And we're like, oh yeah, that's what sex is for. I forgot about that. You know what I mean? Now, uh, G.K. Chesterton says this. He says that in our, in our fairy stories, in our fairy tales, we have, we have a fairy godmother. So let's take Cinderella for just a moment. We have a fairy, we have a fairy godmother and she goes to Cinderella and she... She does the magic on her. She makes her beautiful and she puts her in this dress and she gives her a carriage and she does all the magic. And then after the magic, the magic has a stipulation. What is that stipulation? He, uh, she says, what does she say? You have to be home by midnight. You have to be home by midnight. Now in our culture, we would look at the fairy godmother and say, you oppressive fairy godmother. <laughs> How dare you give me this beautiful gift and have Anything you ask in return from me. How dare you give me this gift and then hand it to me with a responsibility? How dare you give me this pleasure, but then, oh, now you're going to give me a baby that has to go with it? How dare you, right? Now, here's what I want to say. <laughs> Sex is magic. <laughs> <laughs> It's magic that God has given us this 
beautiful gift. We don't get to look at God in return and say, I'll take the dress, I'll take the carriage, I'll take the, but I don't want any of the stipulations. If you can't wear the dress and be home by midnight, you don't wear the dress. See, see what I'm saying? If you can't, if, if, you, if you can't handle the responsibility, you can't handle the magic. That's just like, that's just like how life works. You know, I, my dad gave me a BB gun and he's like, don't point this at your sister. And I'm like, okay. You know, this is how life works. Everything in our life, as we get older, they give you, they give you a license. That license has stipulations to it. You can't drink and drive. You can't, you know, if you're young, you can't be out past curfew. You can't, everything in life that is a gift also is a responsibility. But since the sexual revolution in the 1960s, we have separated the gift from the responsibility. So in the 60s, we worshiped free sex, no matter what, with anybody, whoever, however, wherever, doesn't matter. As long as it's consensual, it's good and it's awesome and it's, it's amazing. And I would just say we've lost the plot point here. We're over-sexualized. We're over, we, we have totally forgotten, like, like, if you're, listen, if you're married, I want you to have fun. I want you to have a great sex life. I'm not, like, I'm not coming against any of that. What I'm saying, though, is, like, if you are in, if you're engaged in that and you get pregnant, kind of comes with the territory. Kind of come, it, you know, are, are you tracking with what I'm saying? Okay, so, um, so sex is the primary, sorry, Children are the primary purpose of sex. <laughs> sex is the primary purpose of life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Children are the primary purpose of sex. Okay, here we're going to go into um, a cultural view for just a moment, okay? Is everyone doing okay? You're still alive? Okay. All right. Uh, culture, just for a moment. I heard a theologian say one time, and I think it's so good. Actually, it was... It was a buddy of mine who's getting his doctorate right now. He said, he said, um, we often look at theology and worldviews in books, but sometimes the best way to see them is in art. So if we can look at what our art does, we can see what we believe through our art. Okay. All right. So right now in New York City, there is a art sculpture that looks like this that just got created. And this is sitting in New York City, and the, there's two of them. This one is sitting out on, this, on, on a park area, and then the other one doesn't have the dress, and it's sitting on top of the courthouse, okay? And on top of the courthouse, that one's called Now, and the reason it's called Now is because now is the time to defend women's rights, is what the artist says, okay? Everything I'm about to describe to you is the artist's words, not mine. I'm not making anything up. This is all the artist's words, okay? This one... She created and she put it. She put it down in the park, and um, this one she says is a. It stands for resistance. Okay, so the purpose of this is resistance, and if we go to the top of her head and we work down at the top of her head, she has hair. This is the artist's words, not mine. Her hair is formed into rams or goats horns, um, because that signifies autonomy. And in other words, don't mess with me. I'm in control. Don't mess with me. I have. Now, so, so let's just start there and work our way down. In, I don't know if you know this, but like in the, in the satanic church, 
um, this imagery is the exact same imagery of what they worship, which is ram's horns, goat horns. And what is the purpose that they have them? Um, the primary uh, tenet of Satanism is do as thou wilt. In other words, do whatever you want to do. It's up, it's up to you. You're the God of your life. Do whatever you want. So if we look at her art at the top of her head, she says her words, these are ram's horns, goat horns, and they stand for autonomy. In other words, I can do what I want. Okay, then if I move down, around her neck is uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, uh, necktie, right, from her, from her robe. And she says that stands for the, the enshrinement of women's rights in our law system. And RBG is kind of the, um, is the, the woman for that. If we look at her arms and her legs, they're these kind of like flowy tentacle things. And the artist said that's because women are ever-changing, ever-evolving, and they're constantly flowing and, and morphing. So that's why we did that. And then if we keep moving, we get down to her dress. This is what's really interesting to me. So the dress is open, and she says that this signifies air. And she said it's the winds of change that need to come. The winds of change need to come. And then on her thing, she's got um, these, these symbols that in Hebrew, Aramaic, I can't remember which one, says um, the same name for Eve. And when asked about it, she said, uh, Eve was the first lawbreaker. And so therefore, I wanted to put that on there because she's the first lawbreaker. On top of the courthouse, um, it doesn't have this dress, but her quote exactly was move over, move over Moses, talking about the Moses of the Bible, move over Moses, um, New York has a new lawgiver now. Move over Moses, New York has a new lawgiver now. Now, as a Christian, we're not talking about just artistic expression. I'm an artist. I love artistic expression. I'm so quick to be like, yeah, let's look at it a new way. Let's look at it a fresh way. But when the artist herself is saying, this stands for resistance, autonomy. Um, I'm the lawbreaker. Move over Moses. In other words, the lawgiver in, in the Bible who says, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not. You know, that's the law she's talking about, the Ten Commandments. Move over Moses. There's a new lawgiver in New York. This is the art. So we can see a worldview playing out in art. Now, here's the thing. This is this is the art that the 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 world world like the worldly worldview has created. This is the art that the church has created about the image of an ideal woman. This is the image that the church has created about a beautiful woman, about a woman of strength, about a woman who is fierce, about a woman who is blessed among all women the Bible says, about a woman who who carried the son of God in her womb. You know what blows my mind? God could have, when he made Jesus, just had him appear on earth and start from birth, like from that point. He went all the way to the womb in a woman's body. And that baby grew for nine months and was born to Mary. We, we say it in the Apostles' Creed, born, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Why is that so important? I think a couple things. One, God is saying he was fully man all the way to the point of conception, fully God and fully man. Two, it took a woman's womb to bear our Savior that we worship. 
Now you tell me, well, the church has been oppressive to women. The church is, dude, I just, I was, I was just in Europe a couple months ago, visiting my grandma who has cancer, right? I was in Europe and I was walking through all these old Catholic churches. You're saying the church has been oppressive to women. Dude, they worship her there. They worship Mary there, like to the point that it's like idolatry. They worship her. What am I saying? I'm saying there's these two views of what God has created and what is holy. What I'm not saying here is that you have to fit this perfect mold and you have to, and you have to, you know, but what I'm saying is Mary's attitude was God, as it is according to your word, so be it unto me. God, Mary's attitude was, Mary's attitude was like, Like, you have a purpose and a plan for me, and that's, yes, sign me up, right? She's a strong woman. She's not a weak woman. She's not weak. Well, well, Holy Spirit, I don't really know if I want to do that. No, she's strong. She faced probably people wanting to kill her, thinking that she was an adulterer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you put these two side by side, what do you you see here? And what, what you know, I have two daughters. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be blunt with you. I have two daughters. I I want them to be strong women. I don't want them to be, you know, weak and, and just, I, I don't, I don't frail and dependent. And I want them to be strong. I want them to be, I want them to be tough. I want them to be um, everything they're created to be. But I, but I, but I got to tell you this, when I look at the two images, I want one who says yes to Jesus and the purpose and plans of God for her life. I want one who says, as it is according to your word, so be it unto me. I want one that says, oh man, you've chosen me to do this work for you, God. Man, people are going to call me blessed because of, because of my obedience to God. Not do as thou wilt, do whatever you want. I'm a lawbreaker. I'm a rule breaker. Move over, Moses. I'm in charge now. Like, who are we resisting? Are we resisting man or are we resisting God? I... I I, I hear this slogan all the time, my body, my choice. And I, I'll tell you this, I 100% agree that my, my daughter should choose who she marries, no force, no coercion, that nobody, nobody in her life should force themselves on her. That's called rape, and that's also a sin that is wrong. And whoever does that should be put in jail. Are you hearing me? I don't want, so, so yes, a hundred percent, her body, her church, she should have autonomy over what she does with her body. I totally agree. When a baby comes into the equation, we're not talking just about her anymore. We're talking about another human life. And I don't have the choice to believe that this is or isn't, it either is a human or it's not a human. Are you hearing, are you hearing what I'm saying here? What's the spirit of what I'm trying to say? The spirit of what I'm trying to say is we are Christians what do we do? We say, God, whatever your purpose is for me, whatever your plan is for me. But I feel like today's modern movement is just giving a giant middle finger to God. I'm in charge. I'm in control. Well, you're not bucking against men because no, no men are even trying to, all the men are like championing that. Yeah, women. Yeah, you be, you're, you're bucking against God. You're not bucking against, you know, are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, the whole thing of oppressive, you know, oppressive patriarchy, whatever. Listen, men abusing women is absolutely vile and disgusting. It is absolutely vile and disgusting. We're not talking about this at this point. At this point, we're talking about I'm in charge. I write the rules. I set the tone. Well, I don't believe that men set the tone. I believe that God sets the tone. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? 
This isn't a man versus woman issue. This is a God versus creation issue. This is us as creation looking back at God and saying, you made me this way. Help me now to live out the purpose and plan you have for my life. Peter Crave said this. He said, he said, uh, he was asked, are you a feminist? And he said, if feminism means defending femininity, I am a feminist. But I can't be a modern feminist because modern feminism hates women so much it wants to make them into men. It hates women so much. Every single day, it's just trying to make you a man. You're not complete unless you have a career. You're not complete unless you, if you want to have a career, be, I can't say certain words on stage, (laughs) but it's B and A, okay? If you want to, if you want to go out and have a career, do it. That's awesome. I'm not, I'm not against that, but what I'm saying is we, we're, we're almost pushing on women. You actually need to be more of a man. That's what you need to be. Dude, when I look at my girls, God made them women. And part of their blessing to the world is that they will, they will be fruitful and multiply. They, will, they, they do something that no man could ever do. <laughs> Kenzie, Kenzie and I often look at each other, and she always says that men, she's, she's always like, I feel like men are just missing this, like this thing that women have. And she's like, you get, there's just something missing. Like there's like an intelligence thing missing with you guys, or there's like an awareness thing missing with you guys. And I'm like, babe, all it is, is a rib. It's just a rib back, back off, back off. But she's like, you guys are just missing something. You're, you're just missing something. You know what I love about our banter about that is I'm like, no, you're missing something. She's like, no, you're missing something. You know, what's true. We both have a unique gift from God that if women aren't women and men aren't men, we're not, com- like we as a humanity are not complete. I'm not talking about stereotypical gender role. I'm not talking about any of that. What I'm saying is like, we're, we are bucking against God when we say, my, I'm, in, I'm in control. My, you know, my, no, no, let's back up. Now, Here's, here's where we're going to kind of land the plane today. I want to talk pastorally to you for just a moment. What do we do with all this? We've talked about what's right. We've talked about, really, we've talked about truth. We've talked about goodness. And we've talked about beauty. We've talked about truth, which is, is this a fetus? Is this a human being or not? We've talked about goodness. If it is a, a human being, what is right morally? We've talked about beauty. What is the image of the strong woman? What is the image of the pure woman? What is the image of a tough woman? To me, I look at the the art that the church has produced and go, she's tough. She's tough. And I look at the church, I look at the art the world has created and I go, "That's, that's just weird. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're angry at everybody. You're angry at everything. You know what I mean? Now I want to kind of land the plane here pastorally. What do we do as Christians? Well, first and foremost, Isaiah 520 says, woe to you. Listen to this. Woe to you who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. What do we do as a church? If, if, I, if I was alive during the Holocaust, I, I pray to Jesus that I would have been one of the people saying, what are you doing? This is wrong. 
I don't know if I would have been. I, I pray that I would have been. We don't know. We don't know what we would have been in that situation, you know, given the environment. Years ago in our culture, I pray that I would have been saying, hey, slavery is wrong. This is messed up. In today's world, in today's time, like for as, as, as socially, you know, justice and, a, and, a, and awake and alert, and, you know, we're all, we're all aware of all these issues and all this stuff. As, as alert as we are, this should be an issue as a church that we're not unclear about. That we're like, this is wrong. This is wrong. So here's thing number one today as a church. I, I would just say, you don't, you don't need to go on Facebook and post some, something. You don't need to go on Instagram. Yeah, abortion is murder. You don't need to do any of that. But maybe we could, maybe we could cut off partnership with a lie that's hurting a lot of people. Maybe we should, maybe we could just cut and maybe we could, instead of partnering with, well, I mean, it's everyone. Maybe we could be people who are like, no, it's a human life. You see what I'm saying? Maybe we could start there. So we agree with God about what is true. We agree with God about what is good. Then we start talking about the people. If you are in this building today and you have had an abortion, I have such good news for you. I'm going to read two verses to you. Okay, here's verse number one. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, if you are here today and you've had an abortion and you're like, oh my gosh, let me tell you this. First of all, I am not mad at any woman who has found themselves in that position. I'm angry that our culture is applauding. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm angry that our culture is lying to people. I'm not angry at the person who finds, I totally understand that there's men who take advantage of women and then they feel lost and alone and they don't know what to do. I'm not angry at the woman. I'm angry that our culture is cheering. Yes, this is good. This is, no, it's not. But if you found yourself in that position, this is what the Bible says. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, you don't have to live one second longer in shame or condemnation or fear or hurt or pain. You can, you can live in total joy and lightheartedness, full of excitement about the future and what God has for you and your family and your future, all these things. You can have that because he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the second one. Um, the, the, the Pharisees catch a woman in the act of adultery and they bring her out before Jesus. And he turns to all of them and he says, let he who is without sin throw the first stone. Listen to this right here. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. This is so good. I'm, I'm up here preaching as a pastor. I don't, have any, I don't have any stones to throw. I don't have any stones to throw. I have sin in my life. You know, I have my own issues. I have, my own, I have no stones to throw. All of us have, all of us have walked astray. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. I have no stones to throw, and this church is not a stone-throwing church. Do you hear what I'm saying? We're not a stone-throwing church. 
bring him in here, bring him in here. No, we're not going to call you out. We're not going to shame you. We're not going to make you feel, no. We're going to call right, right. We're going to call good, good. But there is no shame. I don't condemn you. Now, if Jesus says, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more, you're in safe company in Jesus's house. You're in safe company in Jesus' house. You're in safe company. If you found yourself in this position, I want, to, I want you, listen, I want you to walk not just in a little bit of freedom. I want you to walk in total freedom. How do, how do, we, how do, we, how do we get that? Well, actually, we literally just started a crew a, couple, a week or two ago in our church. We just started a crew for women who have had an abortion, who are struggling with the shame and guilt of it all, to walk in forgiveness and freedom to walk in the joy and the purpose of God over, over their life. You know what's sad to me is some, some of these women who will come to groups like this are coming in their 60s just now dealing with the shame that they've carried their whole life. Don't walk another day in shame. Don't walk another second in shame. Confess your sin to God. He's faithful and just to forgive. He's cleansed you from all unrighteousness. And go partner up with somebody who can say, listen, there is freedom. There is healing. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Okay, here's the, here's the last thing for us as a church. I will, I'm not going to preach on this every, every Sunday. If you ask me to preach on it, I'm going to preach on it. So please stop asking me to preach on it all the time. Um, next week, we're talking about the book of John. So you'll like next week, okay? Um, what are we going to do as a church? I just want to be a church that agrees with God about what is true and good and beautiful, that loves people that loves people who are broken, that loves people that are in sin, that loves people that are in lost places, that loves people who are... I don't want to be a church that is out picketing in front of people, you awful sinner, you're going to hell. I want to be a church that is saying, there's life in Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As strongly as I feel, as strongly as I believe the word speaks about the issues of life, I feel every bit as strong that this church is a place of love, that this church is a place of actually knowing the name's face. If you don't have a name or a face of someone who's gone through this, maybe you shouldn't go on Facebook and say, abortion is murder. Just shut up, okay? Just be quiet. I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. I'm saying the attitude you're saying it in is probably not right. If you don't know a person and you haven't walked through, just let's be, let's cool it. Let's, let's chill out. The reason why I, I believe that we can talk about this, Ken, Kenzie on Facebook all the time, she, she, over the last couple of years, there's been at least three women that I know who got pregnant, their boyfriends left them, and they didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't think they were going to make it. They didn't know how they were going to make it. They were ashamed. They were scared. They were, Kenzie came up alongside of them. Next thing I know, I'm checking our bank account and money's draining out of our account. And she's buying them diapers and putting gas in their car and, and rallying up cribs and all kinds of stuff to bring to their house. That's the kind of people I want to be. The kind of people that like, this is what's right. Now here's how we behave. We're going to rally around people. We're going to care for people. And when they slip up and when they mess up, we're not going to beat them up. We're going to lead them to Jesus. Are you hearing the heart there? All right, we, we're going we're gonna to land this plane today. And next week, we're going down to one service. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Um, 
Listen, if you disagree with me, totally cool. Catch me in the lobby, yell at me in the lobby. Don't write me on Facebook because I don't like to read that much, okay? Just catch me in the lobby and yell at me in the lobby. Also, we have security here, so that helps me. <laughs> so just catch me in the lobby. Just talk to me in the lobby. If you have questions, I will talk to you about all your questions in the lobby. There's a lot of what ifs. Well, what if this and what if this? I'll talk to you about whatever questions you have. I'll be out in the lobby right after the service, okay? We're going to love God. We're going to love people. We're going to call good, good. We're going to call bad, bad. And we're going to love people in the messy middle of it all. That's what Jesus did to us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're going to call good, good, evil, evil. We're going to love people in the messy middle. Okay? I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to take communion. Today, as we take communion, the Bible says this. Jesus says, this is my body, which is for you. Peter Kraft says, abortion is the inversion of that. This is my body, which is not for you. But we serve a Jesus who poured out his body for us. And so as we receive his body today, as we receive his blood, let it wash you, let it cleanse you. Receive his forgiveness, receive his redemption, receive his goodness. It's so good. Let me pray over you. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for truth, goodness, beauty. God, help us to restore those things in our church and in our culture. God, help us to be people who call good, good, and evil, evil. But God, help us to always speak in love. Help us to always love people. Help us to always walk with people through their pain. Help us to always walk with people through whatever they're going through. And God, when people mess up, help us not to be the people that are beating people over the head, but help us to be the people who are leading people to Jesus. God, we love you. We worship you. We honor you. We serve you. God, today we want our mind, our life, our attitude to agree with the spirit that Mary had. As it is according to your word, so be it unto me. We look to the matriarch, the mother in our, in our faith, Mary, as an example. And today we say, God, as your word says, so let it be in my life. As your word says, so let it be in my life. So God, thank you that we're coming into agreement with you today and help us to truly love people, even in the messy middle of their life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.